Have you ever been ice skating? When it's done well, it's beautiful. <laughs> There's gliding and just soaring over the ice and maybe even jumping. It's an amazing thing. But if I had to guess, if you ever have been ice skating, your very first time wasn't so glamorous. I grew up in upstate New York, and so I had plenty of opportunities to ice skate during the winter, and I spent most of my time on the rink in pain. <laughs> just a lot of falling over. Uh, it's really hard to get the hang of ice skating. In many ways, learning to ice skate is a lot like learning how to have relationships with people. Uh, you know, we start out pretty clunky. Things slip and slide out of control, and then you've got some crash and burn moments. We don't come pre-wired with the natural ability to relate well with people. In fact, our instincts work against relationships thriving. And even just to have a friendship over the long haul that does really well is something that has to be learned. My name is Bruce Wood. I'm the lead pastor here at Valley Lights Church, and I'm very glad that you've joined us for our online worship service today. We are in a message series called Relationships Intention. And if you'd like to catch up with previous messages, you can find those on our website or on our podcast. And we've been talking about how every person is born with a sad heart, an SAD sad heart. And, and that's an acronym standing for our hearts come selfish, arrogant, and damaging. In fact, one of my best buddies growing up when we were in high school, he was interested in one of the girls that went to our church. And so a friendship started forming there. Uh, but we went to different high schools, and so when it came time for me to go to my junior prom, I asked this girl to go with me. <laughs> and uh, as it turns out, you know, it, it didn't work well for me and my buddy. And uh, you could see my sad heart on display. I thought, you know, in my selfishness, I thought, this, I, I want to ask her out. I want her to go with me. And arrogantly, I thought, well, I deserve it. I mean, why shouldn't I ask this person out? And, uh, you know, if I'm the one taking the move, then, then I, you know, it's owed to me. And then damage. I was, I was willing just to damage my friendship with my friend in order to get what I wanted. Neither of us ended up with that girl. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that's the thing of the past. But it took a massive toll on my friendship. In fact, it took quite a long time before I was even willing to own up to the fact that because of my selfishness, I, I really, I cared more about getting what I wanted than maintaining a good friendship with my buddy. Because we've all got defective hearts and at times very strong emotions, conflict is unavoidable. Conflict is unavoidable. Although I should ask, do you, do you think that's true? Would, would you agree, do you believe that conflict is unavoidable or, or that it would, it's possible to have a relationship with somebody that's conflict-free. Do you think most people on their wedding day think about the long-term conflict that might be in store for them in the future? I mean, what if <laughs> during the wedding ceremony, the guy says, you know, we're, we're, gonna, have, we're gonna have some knockdown drag-out fights. It's gonna get ugly. In fact, some days, I'm, I'm, it feels like I'm gonna hate your guts and I'm gonna say nasty things to you and I'm gonna really mean it. Let's get married. <laughs> you don't really think about that. You don't anticipate that. You don't want that. In conflict, it comes up certainly in marriage, but actually in all kinds of relationships in life, conflict is unavoidable. James 
who is the half-brother of Jesus, he gives us a peek into why this is, why this is our experience. In James chapter 4, he says, What's the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. He's saying that we, we want something. Uh, I've got a goal. And if my goal gets blocked by someone, conflict will erupt. Unless, unless you live on an island by yourself. Imagine living on a beautiful island. There's nobody around. All you've got is one set of desires, one will determining and setting direction for life on the island. But all it would take is just dropping one other person there. And all of a sudden, you've got two sets of desires. And it's not possible that they're going to sync up perfectly the whole time. When we look through the Bible, we learn that our way leads to conflict and God's way leads to clear relationships. We've been tracing the story of the first family, Adam and Eve. You know, we started in, in Genesis and their sons, Cain and Abel. Things went wrong, things got really off track. And some of the things that we deal with today are really come out of that initial struggle that happened many, many years ago. There was one tree that Adam and Eve were commanded not to eat from. There was one clear boundary that they needed to respect. And so we're going to look, we're going to read in Genesis 3 to see what happened and play this out a little bit more. You can use the notes that you see on your screen or follow along uh, with the Bible if you have one with you. But Genesis 3, starting in, chapter, in verse 6, says, The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So they totally crossed God's boundary here. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened. They saw that they were naked, which was an indication that something had gone wrong. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, this is where we're going to start into a new part of this story. It says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And, you know, it's not like God didn't know, but he was giving a chance to uh, have Adam and Eve come out on what happened. Uh, but Adam said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then God asked, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And here's Adam's response. God had already kind of given them a chance to fess up, but, you know, God has to draw it out of them. And here's Adam's response. This is really his chance to own up to it now, really just confront God. And the man replied, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate. Now, Adam went into self-protection mode immediately. He, he was just totally ready to shift the wrongdoing on anything other than himself. Now remember, this, you know, this is a confrontation of the very first sin ever. <laughs> and so with no experience at all and no background, Adam's native reflexes kick in to blame someone else, to defend himself. And so first he, he blames Eve and says, that woman that you gave, you know, then he, then he blames God, that you gave me, oh, she gave me some of the fruit and I ate. So he's kind of blaming Eve and God, just any, he deflects it anywhere. That day turns out into a monstrous calamity. 
a lot of bad comes spinning out from that. But I kind of wondered later that night, you know, when Adam and Eve are, are wrestling and just enduring the trouble that just came from all up on them, how, how was their conversation that night? Did Eve come back and say, Adam, you threw me under the bus? Well, there was no buses, so maybe she said, you threw me under the camel. <laughs> you totally, you just, you just threw it on me. And but let's go back and look at Eve's response. So God, you know, he, you know, he addresses Adam, now he turns to Eve and he says, the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so she didn't own up to it either. She blamed the snake. Both Adam and Eve completely skirted around responsibility. They took zero ownership of what they did. And I just want, I wonder, what would have happened if they would have actually just said, you know what, we, we totally went against what you said. If they had come you know, immediately with repentance, I kind of wonder what would, ha- would have happened. But that's, that's not the way it rolled out. And you know, as we've been looking through this series, we, we see how the problem didn't start with each other. We're talking about relationships and tension. The problem started with God. When they decided to turn away from God's commands, that's when the relational problems began with each other. And this is the position that we find ourselves in often, that deciding to do life my way, it leads to tension and strain and broken relationships. Our way leads to conflict. What comes natural is blaming and shirking responsibility and defending ourselves. Um, Other things that come natural too are, are verbally damaging other people and using extremes like you always do this, you never, and name calling and keeping track of offenses and what people do and don't do right. When conflict erupts, the f- then comes avoidance. And so now when, when this happens for us personally, if it's at home, what happens is uh, an avoidance of, I don't, I, don't wanna be in the, I don't wanna be in the same room as them. And if I hear you know, they're in that room, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait or I'm gonna go around that. Or at work, I kind of wait and you know, the person that <laughs> you feel like you're walking on eggshells around somebody that you had a conflict with and I don't, I don't wanna be there. I don't wanna work on a project with them. I don't wanna be in the same room. Or at family gatherings, we can avoid people that we've had fallings out, falling out with. It is easy to react with whatever emotion or thought that comes natural to us. In conflict, doing things my way is much easier at the outset but it creates results that are much harder to live with. Doing things God's way is a whole lot harder, but it leads to results that are smooth and bearable to live with. Conflict may be unavoidable, but that doesn't mean we're stuck. And actually, one of our core values as a church is to clear up relationships. God has given us a path towards clear relationships. And for those that follow Jesus, he actually commands it. He, he expects and tells us that this needs to be the case. That peace and unity with other people is a very, very high priority. And we see this described in Matthew, um, one of the Gospels, one of the biographies about Jesus. We see uh, Jesus saying in Matthew chapter 5 that if you're offering your gift on the altar and there remember that your, your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister and then come and offer you a gift. And so we see the priority of, of keeping things clear even before worshiping God. It's as if God is saying, before you try to, to worship me and spend time with me, I want to know, I want you to make sure that you're clear with other people first. 
I don't think God likes pretense. I don't think God likes it when we're acting like things are okay with other people, but it's really not, and there's stuff brewing under the surface. I don't really like that either. <laughs> For followers of Jesus, it's just not an option to let relationships stay locked up or stay under layers of unresolved conflict. So here's a few steps to clearing up relationships. These steps that we're gonna look at are, are very simple to say, but very hard to do. And if you're dealing with conflict, this, this might be a helpful starting point. Um, for someone that's just flat out unwilling to have a discussion or a conversation at all, a different strategy is gonna be needed. But some of the things we're gonna look at right now are gonna be helpful if you're dealing with someone and there's at least some willingness to have a conversation. And it, you know, sometimes it feels like it's a long shot to get things cleared up and reconciled. Um, a lot of times the, the tension and the strain is just, it feels heaped on there. But if a discussion is possible, here's some things we can do. First, gain understanding. If the other person is offended, hurt or angry, it's for a reason. Even if it doesn't seem all that reasonable <laughs> and you can't even see why there's maybe a legitimate reason to be offended. But I've found that if their emotions, you know, their emotions are likely to stay stoked un until they feel hurt, until they feel like I truly understand why, why they're feeling that way. I don't have to agree right off the bat, but we at least needed to get clear on where the problem started. This is called being considerate and it goes a long way. It's something I'm not that great at. I often do things uh, w w out of inconsideration uh, and I, I do things without realizing the impact on other people. In fact, this week, I changed the schedule for one of our groups without telling one of our team members. And if you've ever had someone change something on you and, and not tell you about it and the, there's an impact there, you can feel roughly handled. And I needed to, to own that and clear that up. But look at the atmosphere in relationships described by Peter, one of the apostles. And while I read what he says, think of someone that it's easy to get into conflict with. <laughs> uh, in 1 Peter 3, he says, Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic, love one another, and be compassionate and humble. These qualities are required if we're going to genuinely hear someone out. Um, he says, um, don't pay back evil for evil or insult for insult, which is our native reaction. But on the contrary, give a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. Knowing how compassionate and gracious God is with us provides huge motivation for us to extend that to other people. And actually, just before Peter wrote this, he, he tells husbands in particular to be considerate, be understanding of your wives. Peter was married, he knew. <laughs> he knew just how hard it is for husbands to be considerate of their wives. It can be very hard to do that, but it's really in our best interests because this is the first step towards harmony. It may be the case that you're the one carrying the offense and it's really great if you can let that go and sometimes you can't get over it. Sometimes there's a legitimate offense that is blocking the friendship from being genuine and moving forward with you know, open air and without pretense. And in that case, there's a need to reach understanding as well, where we can tell somebody, hey, when you did that, I felt 
frustrated or I felt angry, you know, when you, when you took this action, here's the impact it had on me. It really is a helpful start to say, I, I really care about our friendship and I, I want it to go well, but there's something that's happened that's making it hard for us to relate. And, and when it's time to bring something like this up, don't blame like Adam did, you know, pin it all on the other person. Don't use extremes. You know, you, you, you never do what you say you're going to do. Or you always use that tone of voice. You know, any kind of extreme just sets people off. I mean, I, I feel pretty frustrated too when that happens. Um, so don't blame, don't use extremes, but also don't avoid the conflict. Sometimes we've just got to work through it. And depending on the response, we may or may not be able to move on to the next step. But if some level of understanding is reached, I can take responsibility for my part. Now, taking responsibility for what you've done is, it, it's about as easy as taking a banana from a 400-pound gorilla. <laughs> it is super hard. It is a fight. Many times it feels like a big internal wrestling match. You know, to, it would be hard to own it and say something like, you know, I, I dropped the ball. I didn't show up when I said I was going to do it. Or um, instead of taking time to listen, I, I inconsiderately jumped to fixing your problem, and I can see that's frustrating and that I was hurtful to you. Or to say, I didn't give you the full truth. This one's actually, this, this would be really hard. I didn't give you the full truth, and so I misled you to believe something that wasn't true. Or one that I, I commonly have to own up to is, I, I lost a grip on my emotions and I spoke harshly to you. That's my part of it. I need to own that. If these first two steps don't happen, where we gain understanding, get on the same page, and then take responsibility, the conflict just gets worse. In fact, I've got a diagram that shows where we often end up. You know, there's some sort of initial problem or offense or argument. And what usually happens is I respond and uh, I respond by defending myself or reacting or, or I'll maybe I'll, I'll take responsibility, but I kind of minimize it and, and make it sound less than it was or I'll slip in some blaming. And that creates more anger and hurt. So now I've got two problems to clear up. <laughs> and then maybe the other person also doesn't respond well. And so now I get angry and before you know it, the, the offenses are stacking up and, you know, not to mention pulling in old offenses. You know, the things that didn't get cleared up last time, now we layer that into the mess. And what you have is a tangled net of nasty conflict. And gaining understanding and, t and taking responsibility, they're critical. That's very hard to do. But failing to do that ends up in a pretty painful mess. And at this point in the message, you might be thinking, you know what? I, I, I know somebody who really needs to be hearing this, and I hope they're listening. <laughs> but before you go down that path, what would happen if you asked someone close to you, how well do you think I do these first two steps? Or can you think of a time recently that I failed to own something? Now, that'd be a, a, that's a threatening question to ask someone. But if you've made it this far, you can go on to the next step, which is to ask and or give forgiveness. And uh, before I really got the hang of what forgiveness was really all about, I, my favorite way of apologizing was to say, well, I'm sorry you got offended, which is basically saying like, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> uh, 
you know, deal with it. Uh, you know, I'm sorry you're, you're so small that you just, you know, got offended by what I did. That's too bad. And there's really a difference between that, just difference between saying, oops, my bad, you know, didn't mean to, which really is just a, a cheap way to apologize, a cheap forgiveness versus a genuine forgiveness that can flow out of, I was wrong when I did that. Will you forgive me? It's very different. In fact, look at how this is described in Ephesians, verse, uh, chapter 4, 32, where we're told to be kind and compassionate. Again, this idea of compassion to one another. Forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Again, Jesus is our motivation, who forgave us of so much more than any offense that we have against somebody. And if someone ever asks you for forgiveness, which that's pretty rare. In fact, if someone has ever asked you for forgiveness, hang on to that person because you don't find that very often. But if someone does make an attempt at clearing the error, moving towards, hey, let's bring this relationship back together, give forgiveness, you know, extend that. Forgiveness means I won't bring it up against you and I won't use this against you in the future. And there's really a lot wrapped up in how to do that effectively. Um, you know, with a lot of emotions and over the long haul, that can be a challenge. And so we're going to actually unpack that more next week. But you can finally make it to the last step, which is to make it right. If you're willing to invest some extra time or invest some of your money into that relationship, uh, it shows the genuine sorrow for breaking the relationship in the first place. We shouldn't need to buy people's love. That's not what this means. But as we looked at what Peter said, you know, he said, give a blessing. Instead of exchanging insults, give a blessing, extend that. And if you were to change your plans or, or maybe make a personal sacrifice in order to invest in that relationship, tangibly express kindness, or even physically with, with some affection, to really reach out after the damage has been done, it builds goodwill. And goodwill is worth its weight in gold. There's a lot more that could be said about conflict resolutions and dealing with relationships. There's so many books out there. Um, there's weekend seminars you could attend. There's hours of counseling you could go through. Because relationships are complex and they're messy and there's just, there's usually a lot of backstory. There's a lot of time that, that maybe has gone into the conflict. These steps are not meant to oversimplify problems that you're facing. It's to show that there's another option that God has provided a path forward for us. And maybe if you're dealing with conflict right now, that maybe some of this sparked some recognition in you of, of a step you could take. If we do what comes natural, after you live a few decades, you look behind you and you see a trail of damage and broken relationships. And if we do what's natural, the relationships we have in the moment are prone to pretense, getting messed up, and then we just live like, you know, ignoring the problem or pretending there's not one or trying to stuff it. And then the thought of spending time with people, it's, it's like you groan. You're like, oh man, I don't want to be around that person. If conflict goes on long enough and if it gets bad and nasty enough, the relationship can seem hopeless. You can feel without hope. And, and the hope for a healthy relationship, it doesn't rest in counseling or in a book, or in a seminar. Those, those are tools that help. In fact, I've been helped 
by those, those tools, but there is hope and real hope comes. It lies in the fact that God gives us a brand new heart when we decide to follow Jesus. That those native instincts that we have that sabotage us, we can break free from that. This really is the first step that unlocks the power that we need to, to break old habits of relating. The Bible says that when we decide to make Jesus the king and ruler of our lives and we submit to him, that the Holy Spirit of God lives within us and he gives us the motivation to do what's right and then he gives us the ability to do what's right. And without that, without his involvement, we can't do it. We can't do it on our own. We're just too prone to getting things messed up. If you want more information about what it really looks like to, to be a follower of Jesus and to make him Lord of your life, let us know. Mark that on either the connection card or in the chat somewhere. For some people listening to all this, you might say, hey, you know what, this is all good stuff, but to be honest, my relationship is too far gone. It is past the point of recovery. The only thing that's remaining is bitterness and mistrust. And uh, if you're in that place, there's scarring and grief and shame that, that really can last a lifetime. What do you do? Next week, we're gonna answer the question, what do you do when a relationship is completely fried? Reconciliation doesn't seem to be an option that's available to you. We're gonna see that the hope for healing is not contingent on the other person and what they do or what they don't do. And that whether reconciliation happens, you don't have to remain a victim, that God provides peace, truly, even after relationships are damaged and broken. And how do you put that together? And how do you move forward? Part of our vision as a brand new church is to first help people find God and to walk with him. And then we also wanna help people experience life-changing community. Being with good people that, that were walking with God is something that has radically changed my life as I've learned to walk with him as well. And here at Valley Lights Church, there is a place for you to belong. You can investigate God and church at your own pace, but we're eager to build friendships and share life together and support one another. So I hope you'll consider teaming up with us and joining us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the new heart that you offer to us when we submit to you as Lord. And you can help us break free from the damage that, that exists in our default way of relating to people. I pray, Lord, that you would enable us to walk this out, to live this out, and have the power and the motivation to bring health into our relationships. And for those that are dealing with tension and maybe even broken and damaged relationships, that you would illuminate the path forward for them and provide the healing that's needed. And would you enable our church to be a place where people find refreshing and, and encouraging community to grow in. And we thank you for uh, leading us and building this church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.